All right, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to be yours, to be your children, to be in your house, to declaring your truth. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the invitation to step further into the knowledge and understanding of what it is that you provide and how your ministry affects our lives. And right now, we just yield to you, Holy Spirit. We yield to you, to your truth, to your power, and to your anointing. We thank you for the anointing that you release in and through us. Amen. Is anybody excited? Just Pepper? Okay. <laughs> I, I am, I'm excited. And at the same time, I feel like this, not heaviness in a negative way, but just kind of like this, this weightiness. Weightiness is better than heaviness. Can anybody agree with that? <laughs> Okay, weightiness. I feel like this weightiness, and even in, in putting this teaching together, I was feeling like this this weightiness on it where I was like, gosh, I'm not sure that I should even be teaching on this subject. So just to kind of reiterate for those of you that weren't present last week, we we kind of pushed plans back a little bit to create space for an invitation that we felt Holy Spirit was extending in getting to know what it is that Holy Spirit does. What is Holy Spirit up to right now? And so, of course, we said yes. And, and so I really feel like as this week has unfolded, I've better understood what it is that he's after. And, and we, we entitled this, this Sunday, Brooding. Because that's something that Holy Spirit does is, is Holy Spirit broods over things that, that are, are getting ready to be birthed, that are, are ready to be hatched, so to speak. Let's go to Genesis 1. You guys, we are all over the place this morning. I've got lots of scripture, so please just stick with me, okay? We're going to start in the very beginning. Genesis 1. It's a very fine place to start, don't you think? Genesis 1. This is what it says. When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was completely formless and empty. Can you just take a second and imagine? Completely formless and empty. Completely. Just completely formless and empty. I, I mean, like, because we're so surrounded by the creativity of God, it's hard for us to actually imagine what formless and empty could have possibly looked like. It's bizarre to me, right? Because we are, we are, we're surrounded by his vivid imagination. But this was formless and empty. With nothing but darkness draped over the deep, God's spirit hovered over the face of the waters. I love the footnote on this, and this is the Passion Translation. God's spirit gently vibrated. It means to incubate or to brood. And if you think about to, to incubate or brood, it actually takes impact, right? It takes impact. So if we, if we take this into consideration based on what we know about birds, right? They brood over their nest, right? They create impact over their eggs, over their, their inheritance, right? That's kind of fun to imagine. Holy Spirit brooding over the Trinity's inheritance. Yes? Okay, this is way more exciting for me than, than it seems to be for you. Get on my level, okay? <laughs> Like, Holy Spirit is brooding over the Trinity's inheritance, causing something that is empty and formless and dark to take on their identity. The same way that a mother hen broods over her eggs because she's aching to see what each of them look like. 
Now, if you are a mother and you have physically given birth and you've carried a baby around in your being, you know full well the crazy curiosity that starts to take over every part of your being and you're just like, I'll do anything to get this thing out. Because you can't wait to meet this being growing inside. That's like brooding, right? We begin to brood as women who are carrying little ones inside of us and we're like this aching to know what is inside. They call it the nesting period, right? Where like a woman is ready to give birth. You guys, if it gets too hot in here, somebody just man the thermostat, okay? Because I, I couldn't take it. It was too cold. Anyway, that was a side note. Um, but that, that's the nesting period of pregnancy is you get mad, crazy, starting to clean everything, honestly, just to get the dang thing out. <laughs> and that's the same thing. See, because when I would look down at my belly, I couldn't see what was in. I just saw what was possible in the same way that the Trinity began to interact with what was formless and void and dark. Can you imagine? Like, that's just my capability of, like, desiring to know what is inside. Can you imagine being on God's level and, and brooding as the spirit of God? This holy curiosity of what will happen when we cause this thing to break open. Okay. Have I done a good job? Do I have your imagination going? Oh, that's so good. Okay. Well, let's just read the last part of this. I'm going to start from the beginning just so we have like, you know, the whole thing all together. When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was completely formless and empty with nothing but darkness draped over the deep. God's spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And then God announced, let there be light and light burst forth. In other translations, it says that he separated the light from the darkness. And that's really exciting for us because here's the deal. Holy Spirit never stopped the ministry of brooding. He's still creating things to take on form. He's still filling things. He, she, however it is you want to view Holy Spirit. Still hovering. Still vibrating over all that has been created so that we would take on the identity of Christ. Yes, this is really good news. This is really exciting, really exciting for us. Okay, so let's go to, let's put Genesis away and pull out a big Bible. We're going to go to Luke 13. Where are we going? Luke 13. Good job. Thank you, Christy. Luke 13, we're going to start in 31. And this is, I want us to understand the heart of the Father here. Do you remember that Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father? Yes. And what do you think it is that Holy Spirit is doing? Holy Spirit has come to reveal us in the Father or in Christ. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Holy Spirit is coming to reveal our union with Christ. Yes? And so this, this part of Luke, and you can find it in Matthew also, but it is revealing the heart of the Father. And we're going to start in 31. Just then, some Jewish religious leaders came to Jesus to inform him that Herod was out to kill him and urged him to flee from that place. Jesus told them, go and tell that deceiver that I will continue to cast out demons and heal the sick today and tomorrow. But on the third day, I will bring my work to perfection. For everyone knows I am safe until I come to Jerusalem, for that is where all the prophets have been killed. O city of Jerusalem, you are the city that murders your prophets. You are the city that pelts to death with stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you. So many times I have longed to gather your wayward children together around me as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. 
but you were too stubborn to let me. And now it's too late since your house will be left in ruins. You will not see me again until you are able to say, we welcome the one who comes to us in the name of the Lord. Why am I reading this doomsday message? Right? Like that's the big question. I'm sure like Angie, we went off, we went off the ledge here. There's a reason why I wanted to draw our attention to this because even though Jerusalem was rejecting everything about Christ, it was still the desire of the father to gather the wayward children, not just the children of Jerusalem, but the wayward children. You know why? Because when Jesus looks at us, when the father looks on us, he doesn't see what we see. He sees his intention when we were spoken. That's what he sees. He doesn't fool around with the mess of being wayward. Does he want us in right standing with him? Remember, we, we understand what righteousness actually means. Likeness, taking on the likeness of the father. That's what righteousness actually means. Right standing means likeness. That we agree that we are like him. Yes, that's what that means. So when the father is looking at us, all that he sees is the righteousness of Christ. He sees our likeness as Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's unfathomable. We can't quite wrap ourselves around this message because it's too good to be true. And we kind of like a little mixture in with our gospel. Right? We like to have something to be able to control, right? John was joking around last night. We had a a, a fire pit last night, and um, and John was roasting his hot dog. And you know, of course, you always have to tell the joke about or the story anyway about the the you know the camp retreat or whatever it is where you know you're being threatened as you're roasting, you know either marshmallows or hot dogs over the fire of like turn or burn kind of thing, right? I mean, that's what we like. We like to have just a little piece of ick added to our gospel so we can control one another, right? Yeah, we like to play with dirt just a little bit. We mostly like the gospel, but we also like to be sin seekers, right? That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jerusalem, you have killed the very ones I sent to expose you to the heart of the Father. How I've longed to gather your wayward children under my wing. Can you feel the intimacy on that? I just, if I could just have one moment of holding them, they would see. They would see themselves the way I see them. This is the ministry of Holy Spirit today. He's not looking on you, trying to find reasons to reject you. He's looking on you to gather you, to brood over you, to hover there, and to bring something about, to reveal your likeness, How many of you recognize the less than parts of yourself? Be honest. Yeah, we all do. We recognize the less than parts of ourselves. Should that be our focus? Should it be our focus? Should we be looking at the dirt that exists here? Is it possible to notice without obsessing? Yes. Yes, it is. We can notice, God, I've got this thing. I got this thing, God. And I always, you know, Paul talked about it in Romans. He's like, I continue to do the things that I don't want to do. But he also says, that the more you focus on the thing that you don't want to do, the more you become it. Because what has your attention becomes you. 
So we can either focus on the things that are less than about us. We can continue to walk around like Eeyore. Woe is me. My life just sucks. We can be complainers. And we do habitually complain. Or we can be those who make an agreement with our right standing with the Father. We can be those who feel the vibrations of Holy Spirit brooding over us, bringing into form who we really are. And suddenly, we'll be good without even trying. Right? The more we try to overcome sin, the more sin wants to hold tight to us. It is only by the anointing that bonds are broken. It is only by the anointing that bonds are broken. What is anointing? See, these are the things that we think that we know, but we never actually dig in to discover what they actually are, you know? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. We think it's, we think, okay, I'm going to dab you with some oil. Now you are anointed, sister. I'm going to play the part, therefore I am anointed. No. What do you think anointing actually is? I don't have the answer. So if you're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for Angie to dispel the answer, I don't have it. I think that anointing is going to look different one to another because we are different because God has multiple facets of his character and each one of us are carrying one of them or a couple of them, a few of them perhaps. I don't know what anointing looks like for you. But I do want to invite you to begin to ask, what does anointing look like for you? You know what I think anointing looks like for me? Is by standing in complete assurance that no matter what is going on all around me, that Holy Spirit is up to something good in my life and that that is producing an oil that will affect the people around me. That's what I think anointing looks like on my life. That I'm making a solid agreement with the Lord that I am who you say I am. And that I'm aligning everything about my life with who he says I am, the way I talk, the way I act, the way that I interact. And suddenly that becomes substance. Here's the deal, you guys. We are made to break open and spill out. We just are. It's who we are. So whether you're siding with this sin issue or you're siding with Jesus, you are releasing something. Because we are made to release substance. You can either turn and face Jesus or you can turn away from him. And that's where fear comes in, right? Fear wins. When we turn from Jesus, fear wins, right? Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have things coming up against you, pressing in on you, vying for your attention, trying to convince you of your doom. I know what that's like. I've had bad things happen to me. I come up against bad things all the time. All the time. We're promised this. But I have a choice in this moment. I can let the fear narrative win or I can turn and face Jesus. And trust me, you will start to even question that. Because the moment that you turn and you face Jesus, everything stills. And then you start to wonder, am I doing enough? It is so tricky. It's because we have to have our minds renewed, right? Okay, so I want to go back to the anointing breaks the bonds. You guys, what it is that Jesus is releasing on the earth today, what Holy Spirit is up to today will require us to walk free from bonds, from yokes of bondage. 
Okay. So I don't want you to feel the, I don't want you to feel any kind of way of like, um, any heaviness in this message. Okay. Because this is an invitation to be free from the things that have held you back. Okay. We have to look at these things in order to see the goodness of the gospel be revealed in our lives. Okay. So we need to look at what are these yokes of bondage, right? And this is, this is really, it's talking about, okay, we've gotten to a habit of identifying with our sin nature, right? Right? This is, this is a bad habit. We, we've, we've bought the lie. It is a lie that we still have a sin nature because what Christ did was eradicate our sin nature, right? We love to go grave digging because somehow we think this is a holy activity where we go and dig up our sin nature. But it's not. We need to break up with the sin nature once and for all. Yes? Okay, so let's go to um, let's go to Isaiah 10. This requires another book. And I am reading out of the Passion, Isaiah 10. For those of you that only brought the Passion, I'm sorry. And we're going to um, Isaiah 10, 27. And in this part of Isaiah, he's talking about the promised restoration that's coming. And I just want to read this one, one verse. In that day, the Lord will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break off the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the heavy anointing upon you. Okay, I'm going to read it again because you should have cheered. In that day, the Lord will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break off the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the heavy anointing upon you. You guys, this is like so exciting. So exciting. How many of you actually want to continue walking under the heavy burden? Okay, so those things are about to be completely destroyed because of the heavy anointing that is upon your life. You guys, if, if this anointing can break the bonds of yoke over your life, what can it do for others? Because remember, we are in oneness. We're in union. He's brought us all together. We're one. So what I am experiencing should affect you. The heavy anointing that is on my life to break the bonds off of my life should be able to affect you and vice versa. This is exciting. Okay. I'm not going to go there, but in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, it is talking about being unequally yoked. Actually, we are going to go there because it's really good. 2 Corinthians 6. Um, starting in verse 14, don't continue to team up with unbelievers and mismatch alliances for what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion who could mingle light with darkness. What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What friendship does God's temple have with demons? For indeed, we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said, I will make my home in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. As I was reading this, God reminded me of this, this scripture that, you know, the being unequally yoked. And this has everything to do with the picture of oxen, right? When, when oxen were yoked, it needed to be equal so that they were able to move as a team, right? And so when God was like sending me to this this portion of scripture, I was like reading this completely different than I ever had before. Because before, you know, it was kind of like this, well, you and I can't actually be friends because 
whatever, you know, and um, because that's how I've heard it taught. But this time when I was reading it, God was revealing something different to me. He was like, Angie, my people are unequally yoked within themselves. Unequally yoked within themselves. We are duplistic. We, we continue to think that we can walk in our sin nature and in our Christ nature at the same time. And we can, we can move as a team that way. But you can't. God wants that cut off. He wants that cut off. He doesn't want us associating with a sin nature because he paid a high price for us to walk in our Christ-likeness. So ask yourself, in what areas of my life am I unequally yoked? He wants us yoked to him. It's not a complete unyoking. It's just being yoked to the right things. And right now we're, we're yoked to so many different things that half the time we aren't stable in our own self, in our own minds. Because we're playing games. We need Holy Spirit brooding over us right now to bring right form into our empty spaces. That's what we need. We need to be equally yoked within ourselves so that we can move powerfully in one direction. What's happening now is we can't gain any ground. How many of you feel like you've been going around the mountain over and over and over and over and over? It's because we're unequally yoked. Sin nature is pulling in one direction, Christ nature in another. We have to allow the ministry of Holy Spirit to be effective in our lives. Yes? Okay. Now we're going to go, I told you we're going to be all over the place. We're going to go back to Isaiah. And we're going to verse 1. verse one, chapter one, sorry. Chapter one, verse four, actually. Oh, how this nation keeps sinning. See them dragging the heavy burden of their guilt. They're corrupt children, descendants of evildoers. They have turned their backs on the Lord God and despised the Holy One of Israel. They've cut themselves off from the help of God. Why would you seek to be injured further? Allow this inquisition to be real for you. Because, again, you can sense the heart of the Father in this. Why? Why do you want to be injured further? Why would you stubbornly continue in this rebellion? Your whole head is sick and your heart and your will are weak and faint. You're corrupt. From the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, there's no integrity, nothing but bruises, sores, and raw open wounds. They have not been drained or bandaged or soothed with oil. Yeah? He's laying all this out over and over and over in the Old Testament. We see God making judgment against Israel, right? We see him making judgment against Israel over and over and over. They're wayward. They keep moving away from God, distancing themselves from God. And every single time God comes back, stoops low and redeems them over and over and over again. But there's always an inquisition. He's always going, why have you turned away from me? Why are you unequally yoked? Why are you moving in two separate directions? Why are you so duplistic? I'm good. Hear the announcement of the Father. I'm good. He has our best intention at heart. He wants the best for us. And here we have him saying all of these things like you're, you're wounded, you're bruised. From head to toe, you're a mess. 
What you need is the anointing that is going to heal your wounds. What's he offering? See, there's always an offering. There's always an offering from the Father because that's who he is. What's he offering, offering here? The anointing that breaks the bonds of yokes. Right? He's like, but there's an anointing that will heal. There's anointing that will set free. Oh, my gosh, you guys. It's just so exciting. I think so, anyway. Okay, let's go to um, Isaiah 61. And this, this is familiar for us. I understand. I get it. I want to read just a, a little bit of Isaiah 61. And what I want us to understand is, like, what's available to us? Like, what does this anointed life look like? It looks like something. Isaiah 61.1. The mighty spirit of Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me. The spirit of the living God is wrapped around me because he has anointed me. You guys, this is an inside and outside kind of thing. I mean, we've got it going on. As long as we're moving in a right direction. We can't, we, we often can't feel the power or the presence of God when we're, we're moving in two different directions. But when we're moving in one, when we are teamed up correctly and we have vision for where we're going. Wow. Wrap around presence and the anointing on the inside. So fun. Because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell the captives, you are free. So, so far we've seen that the anointing is, is for self, right? It brings freedom for self. And now we're seeing that it has an external occurrence. I love this. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives you are free, and to tell prisoners, be free from darkness. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense on his enemy to comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. This is the effect of the anointing. This is the effect of allowing Holy Spirit to brood over us. We are those who can bind up the brokenhearted. They can go to prisoners and tell them, you're free, and they'll believe it. Right? Like, how many times have you told someone, like, you're, you're so concerned about them, you're so worried, like, oh my gosh, I just wish you could understand that there's a better life for you, but they just can't get free? Well, it's because your message stinks. Because you don't have the anointing. You want to see people free? Allow Holy Spirit to brood over you and cause things to happen. I, we all have people that we want to see set free. And you guys, we're talking about bondages from one end of the spectrum to the other. Everything you can think of. Sickness is a bondage. And God's big enough. He's big enough and he's good enough to break those things off of our lives and off of the lives of those who we love. You want to see people set free? Get some anointing. Okay, we are going to go to Isaiah 58 now. This is one of my favorite parts of Isaiah um, this is just, to me, this is just further evidence of what anointing looks like, what it looks like lived out. 
um, Isaiah 58, starting in verse 6. This is the kind of fast that I desire. Remove the heavy chains of oppression. Stop exploiting your workers. Set free the crushed and mistreated. Break off every yoke of bondage. Share your food with the hungry. Provide for the homeless and bring them into your home. Clothe the naked. Don't turn your back on your own flesh and blood. Then my favor will bathe you in sunlight until you are like the dawn bursting through the dark night. Is that familiar? Do you remember how we started this? In Genesis 1, the spirit hovering over the formless and void, over the dark, and he separated the light from the darkness. What? We have the ability to do the same thing? We are like him? To that degree? We actually have the ability to to brood over something? To cause the darkness to diminish? Say, I am like Holy Spirit. Okay, now say it like you mean it. We are so like the Trinity, it's unreal. And we can't fathom it and we can't believe it because it's too good to be true. The Bible actually tells us that we are little gods. Yeah. Remember we were talking about him brooding over his inheritance? We are his inheritance. Graham Cook says that Jesus is worthy of having your prayers answered. Jesus is worthy of having your prayers answered. Jesus is worthy of seeing those that you love set free. Right? You guys know my favorite thing, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. The Lamb of God is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. What is his reward? Us. Us walking out fully the inheritance that has been given us. I don't care if it's uncomfortable or if it feels too good to be true. It is our right as sons and daughters that we walk in the divine inheritance that's been gifted us. That we would be the ones who will not just allow darkness to win. That we won't just allow people to be bound up. That we won't just sit idly by and let people be sick. The Lamb of God is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. What did he die for? You know? Like, I think we need to go back to that. What did Jesus die for? You know, he made a pit stop to be beaten. He should have died there. Actually, he should have died in the garden. As a human being, he should have died in the garden, but he had angels sustaining him so that he could make it to the joy that was set before him. But he should have certainly also died while being beaten. And why did he do that? For our healing. For our healing. What are we doing with it? You guys, we have to stop self-protecting because it's scary to, to lay hold of faith. Right? And I know it's scary to lay hold of faith. What if I'm wrong? What if I go all in and the person's not healed? What if I go all in and the chains aren't broken? What if I go all in and addiction still wins? Faith is exercised. I'm still giving the Lamb of God the reward that is due Him. 
We need to lay aside all of the what ifs and just go for it. Let's take what is ours for a ride and see the kingdom of heaven manifesting on everything that is in our sphere of influence. It's what I want. It's what Holy Spirit wants for crying out loud. So what are we going to do with these bonds that are over our life? Right? Yes, Kalita. Did I finish reading this? I'm going to, I'm going to read. Oh, I stopped. I know where I stopped. Verse eight. Then my favor will bathe you in sunlight until you are like the dawn bursting through a dark night. And then suddenly your healing will manifest. Anybody like that? And then suddenly. And then suddenly. Your healing will manifest. You will see your righteousness march out before you. Oh, I love the verbiage on that. You will see your righteous, righteousness march out before you. And the glory of Yahweh will protect you from all harm. So, I mean, like this anointing thing just keeps getting better and better. I mean, not only are we seeing people set free, we're seeing us set free. We're seeing us, ourselves rightly aligned. People are getting free. People are getting healed. And the glory, what did that say? You will see your righteousness march out before you and the glory of Yahweh will protect you from all harm. Including the harm to your reputation, okay? Then Yahweh will answer you when you pray. When you cry out for help, he will say, I am here. You know, I, I really like how that ends because there's like a whole fantastic thing that's going on here. And then he says, when you cry out for help, I'll say, I'm here. Then you'll know. You will know. It's like it's being brought into his presence and just knowing that you can't be separated from it. Separation is the greatest lie that has ever hit the earth. And, and yes, so the moment that you have a thought that comes into your mind that you are not taking captive, you're allowing bonds to start to form. If they are going against in Christ in any way, they've got to go. I don't care how good they are. If they are not concluding with I am in Christ. They've got to go. They have no business being there. Because even a good thought can form a bond that is not made for you. We have to get over this idea of being Im image bearers one to another. I, I cannot expect Mike to take on my call. I cannot expect him to take on my image. I can't cause him to return to me. Return to me. Turn and face me, Mike. I mean, it might do something for my ego, but my ego's no good. Right? So my job is to actually take your little faces and turn it towards Christ. That's who you are. Because who you are doesn't look like who I am. You guys, this is a great invitation that we're being invited into. And here's the deal. Before you start getting super serious about it, I also want you to understand that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children. Okay? So it's nothing greater than what a child can comprehend. So get your super smart spirit out of here. It's child's play. He lays power tools before us way before we're capable of even wielding them. He trusts us. If you think you have a trust problem with the Lord, it's because you haven't been completely convinced that he trusts you. You won't be able to trust him until you understand he trusts you. He trusts you. You guys, 
His spirit is dwelling within us. He trusts you. If he thought that you were capable of smearing his name, he wouldn't have put his spirit in you. Right? Right? We need to stop worrying so much about what it looks like and just start doing the thing. Yes? Okay, I've got one more scripture and then we will, um, I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> Who knows? <gasps> okay, Second Corinthians 10. Um, this is such a phenomenal portion of scripture. I don't want to read it all just because it's long and I don't really want to get into it. So we're going to start in verse 4. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. I'm going to read that one again because it's really good. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Any hiders out there? We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. A friend of ours, Kalita's son, wrote a song, and I don't even remember the name of it, but in it, it says that he smashes every high thing that refuses to move. It's a beautiful line that comes straight out of here. That he smashes every high thing that refuses to move. Do you have something that needs to move? You guys... The bondages that are in our lives that are affecting our lives, and you do need to understand that the bondages that you're carrying around do affect the lives of others. Yes, we are all commingled into one. So you better believe the same way that anointing affects the people around you, so do your bondages. And we need to get a little sassy with each other's bondages, okay? We do. We need to partner together and allow the, the effectiveness of the anointing that's on each of our lives to begin to break the chains that hold us hostage. Yes? It's what we need. It's what, it's, it's what, it's what the Holy Spirit is after. He wants us set free. I've said this before and I'm probably going to keep saying it because I feel like it's, I feel like that there's a message out there right now that is just gross at best that the, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and that everything is doom. Everything is dark. Everything is woesome. Blah, 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 blah. Here's the deal. The world isn't bad. The nations desire Christ. Jesus is the desire of the nations. It's in the book. Stop spreading malicious lies. It's not okay. It's not okay. Jesus is the desire of the nations. It's our job to put him on display. See, the thing is, is like we can whine all we want about, well, these people and those people. These people and those people are waiting for you to walk in fullness. If you would spend less time grumbling and complaining, you might actually put Christ on display who the nations are desiring. Right? Get out from underneath the bonds that hold us hostage and let's give the nations what they're after. Yes? Guys, the gospel's good news. It's supposed to be good news. And not just good news for those who are in the Christianity club. 
It's supposed to be good news for the nations. We're called to disciple the nations. But we can't do that when we're so duplistic. We've got a version of the gospel that isn't so good. And then we've got another side of it that's glorious. And we can't mingle those two things. It's got to be all or nothing. All right. Will you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray. I know you're standing for the first time in several minutes, but I am going to ask you to attempt to still yourself. Just be still. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that we can feel your presence right here, right now. That we can feel your vibrations. That we can feel you causing us to take form. And right now, I am asking for anointing. The anointing to break the bonds that are over our lives. Everything that has us duplistic has to go. In Jesus' name, it has to go. I thank you for the anointing that is saturating every single one of us right now for the purpose of breaking chains. And that we would hold one another accountable to righteousness, to our likeness in Christ. Holy Spirit, empower us. Flow through us. We just we give you permission to have your way. Just tell them, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have your way in me. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Amen.